God is for you. The devil is against you. But you're the deciding vote. The devil and God both have a will for your life. We look here in John 10.10. says the thief, the devil, the enemy, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's the devil's plan for your life. That's his will for your life. But this is, the, this is the devil's intention, is to steal, to kill, and cause destruction in your life. But the good news is, and these are Jesus' words, this is what he said. He said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That more abundantly means beyond measure. Like if you could measure what that life that Jesus gives you, you actually can't. It's immeasurable. It's beyond measure. So the devil comes to steal, to kill, and cause destruction. But Jesus has come to give us life beyond measure. So God is for you. The devil is against you. But you're the deciding vote. But I want to emphasize this morning that you don't need to fear the devil. Some people fear, well, if I say this, if I do this, the devil's going to come after me. He's going to cause this to happen or that to happen. We don't need to be in fear of the devil. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 28. He says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. The devil has no real power or authority over you. Did you know that? He may have the intention of stealing, killing, and causing destruction in your life, that's his intention, but Jesus' intention, you know, sometimes we, we, we look at the, the devil and we think he's so big, don't we? I mean, sometimes it feels that way. Like if, if I took something that was really small, like this water bottle, and I put it right in your face, like it'd look big, wouldn't it, because of perspective, but really it's just a small bottle. The devil is constantly getting up in our face. Hey, look at me, look at me right? Trying to stir up problems in your life and trying to make himself look bigger than he really is. But there's no one bigger than Jesus. There's no one bigger than Jesus. And we're going to look at a few things uh, this morning about that. But the devil has no real authority or power over you. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been adopted into God's family. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that you're God's child. And when you mess with someone's child, who are you really messing with? If someone messes with one of my children, they're either going to have mama bear or papa bear all, all stirred up, right? Well, when the devil is messing with you, who's he really messing with? He's really messing with God. Now, ask yourself a question. Is that really a, a fair match? You know, the Bible says that God cast... Uh, the devil out of heaven with his finger. Boink. Like that's all it took. Now, the Bible says that Jesus saw him fall from heaven like lightning. God is so much more powerful than we can even fathom. But when you're in God's family, you're his child, and you're under the authority of Jesus. You've been taken out of, the Bible says, the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light. You're no longer in that kingdom where the devil has all this power and authority over your life. It may feel like it, 
sometimes, but he's usurping his authority. You've been placed into the kingdom of God. You're in God's family now. You're under his authority. When the devil is messing with you, he's messing with God. You need to realize that. When we see that picture and we start to see and understand and realize, as we've talked about before, who's actually in our corner, that whole picture, that whole perspective changes. Like I said, the devil is a lot of times, like he tries to be right up in our face and cause us and try to make us pay attention to him instead of what we should really be paying attention to, which is God's word, which is the solution, which is the answer. Amen? In Colossians chapter 2, in verse 15, it says, God disarmed the principalities and powers, this is in the Amplified Classic Version, that were arranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him, and in it, the cross. So Jesus triumphed over all the power of the enemy and disarmed the principalities and powers that were uh, set against us. He disarmed those principalities and powers. If someone came at you with a knife and you took that knife away or someone else took that knife away, what do they have to fight with anymore? They've been disarmed right? Their hands are empty, is that they've been disarmed. They no longer have that ability which they once had. They no longer had that advantage over you which they once had. They've been disarmed. In Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is making the point that the devil has been disarmed. In Revelations chapter 118, this is Jesus talking. He says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades, which is just a Greek word for hell, and of death. So putting these two scriptures together, Colossians 2.15 and Revelation 1.18, we see that Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers against us, that Jesus made a public display and example of them showing their defeat. It's interesting, like in those times back when when Jesus lived or the Apostle Paul, when they were writing these things, if a king defeated an enemy, they would oftentimes parade the defeated army and that defeated king in front of everyone, showing that they had triumphed over that army, over that nation, whatever it, it would be. Well, this is the picture that the, that the Apostle Paul is saying here in Colossians chapter 2 is that the enemy has been paraded showing that he's been defeated. Like that's the picture. Whenever we think of the devil, whenever we think of the enemy, don't think of him how he wants you to think of him. He's like that bully, you know, that was always wanting to cause trouble, is always trying to mess, mess with you, but they only have as much power as you give them, Right? The devil is defeated. He's been paraded showing that he's defeated, that Jesus triumphed over him. The picture that you need to have in your head anytime that anything is going on in your life is this, that the devil is defeated, that he doesn't have any real power or authority over you in your life or anything consisting of your life. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, It says, And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil 
has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was, was manifested that he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. Now, do you think Jesus was successful in that? The answer is yes, he was successful in that. He came upon the cross through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, overcame everything that the devil had against us, completely disarmed him, paraded him around, showing him as defeated the purpose that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. What works is the enemy trying to employ in your life? He's defeated. He's been defeated. Does it feel like that all the time? Maybe not. We're going to look at some things here in just a moment. But he is defeated. The point I want to make in starting this out is you need to recognize, realize, and just have it in your heart and just be able to picture that the devil is defeated. We do not need to have any fear of the enemy. Well, what about this disease? You don't need to fear it. What about this war? What about these things going on? You don't need to fear it. Either God can take care of you or he can't. Do you believe that he can take care of you? I do. God is bigger than anything. We looked at a scripture last week in Jeremiah, right? Where God asks us the question, Behold, I am the Lord of all flesh. You remember that? Is there anything too hard for me? Well, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything going on in your life that you would say, this is too hard for you, God? It's just too big for you to handle. Is God big enough to handle anything that the enemy tries to throw your way? He is. The devil's defeated. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, this is a, a scripture kind of where we got the name for our church. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now what does that word always mean? What does that imply? Always, right? It's like all. Well, what does that mean? It means all. Always means always. So is there any one time that there's something that God can't work out in your life? Is there anything that He can't do in your life? Is He always going to lead you in triumph? Remember, God is for you. He is always going to lead you in triumph. That is the direction He wants to take you every single time, is in triumph. And we know, of course, the devil, he wants to take us always in which direction? The complete opposite, in defeat, where we're in fear, where we're in doubt, where we're in unbelief, where we're in worry. Who wants to live there? Who wants to live in that spot? I don't want to. That, that place is miserable. I've been there at different times in my life, wondering, Lord, how are you going to do this? How are you going to work this out? What are you going to do about this symptom in my body, Lord? Like, that's not a fun place to be. It's so much better to be in that place where we know and we can have faith and we can have confidence in God's Word that He is always going to lead us in triumph. That's his intention. That's what he wants to do every single time. God is for you. The devil is against you, but you're the deciding vote. Now, we know the, the devil's little bag of tricks. He's not creative. God's creative. The devil's not creative. 
He employs the same thing you know, that he employed against Adam and Eve and that he's employed against every single person since. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Like that's all he has. The only thing he can do is try to get you in fear, try to get you in doubt, try to get you in unbelief, try to get you in worry, and he's going to try to steer you away from that life more abundantly. That's God's purpose. Always, always, always to lead you in triumph. But he's going to employ these little tricks. And he's really sly about it sometimes. I'm not saying they're not effective at different times. They can be effective. But when we let those things start to be planted in our lives, you know, and a lot of things, things just start with a little thought. You wake up in the morning and you have a sharp pain somewhere. And you're like, oh, dear Jesus, what is that? It's probably a tumor. <laughs> right? Like we could think that, and things start as just a little tiny thought, but as you keep entertaining that, it's like that little thought started way back here. It's just really small. The more you think about it, the more you meditate on it, the more you give that attention, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in your life until you can't even see anything else. Like that is blocking out everything. It's consuming Everything in your life, whenever you get a chance, you're on Google looking about up symptoms, you're looking, you know, like this and that. When what we should really do, the first thing we should do, instead of going to Google and finding out what could this pain possibly be, the very first thing we should do is combat it. We talked last week about fight or flight. The, the flight thing is where we start entertaining those thoughts the enemy gives us. We start entertaining those different things or symptoms or it could be peripheral, it could be different things that you know the devil's bringing. It could be financial problems, whatever it may be. But the devil's still going to come in and try to cause fear. Because if you're, if you're in fear of what the enemy is going to do, then you're not in faith of what God can do. When you entertain the devil, then you're not entertaining God's word. Faith can go, you have faith, and then you have the anti-faith, which is doubt, you know. And when you entertain the enemy's thoughts, well, that's faith of a different sense, but it's faith in the devil. It's faith in his ability and what he can do in your life. Like, we don't want to be there. Like, we want to have faith in God's word, what he can do in our life. Because this way is always going to lead us to life more abundantly. It's always going to lead us in triumph. Where when we are entertaining these thoughts, where are those going to lead you? They always lead you down that dark road. And no one wants to be consumed with worry and fear and doubt. Like, it's nice when you have those peaceful nights sleep, isn't it? Because you don't have a care in the world. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord because He what? Because He cares for you. Like, isn't it nice to know that God cares for you? Like, he cares for you the little tiny details that we don't even think about. The Bible says that he knows how many hairs are on our head. I don't know how many hairs are on my head. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I might be losing a few, you know. But the Lord knows every single day, at every single moment, at every time, he knows how many hairs are on my head. There's nothing that's too hard for God. I don't need to worry. I don't need to give a care about how something is going to happen, how he's going to work out things. I don't need to do that. 
If I try to work things out in my power, in my way, I'm just going to mess things up anyways. Not only that, but I'm going to limit what the possibilities are. God thinks so much bigger, so much greater than we do. When we put all of our faith and all of our trust in Him, He's going to do infinitely above and beyond what we ask or even think. So the devil has his, his little bag of tricks, but we need to resist the devil. You know, when, when Jesus was in the wilderness, the devil had came to him and tried to tempt him, didn't he? Well, how did Jesus react to the devil? How did he respond to the devil? How did he resist the devil? Yeah, he resisted the devil with God's word. Well, we have no greater example than Jesus in our lives. If Jesus resisted the devil with God's word, and that's our example, then it would probably be a good idea for us to likewise resist the enemy with the word. When Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, and he talks, he's talking about resisting the enemy, how are we going to do that? Is it just by saying no? Hey, devil, no means no, right? He's like, whatever. But when you resist the enemy with God's word, that's different. So what, is, what does God say about a situation? My opinion is irrelevant. I like my opinion. Sometimes I really like to give my opinion, right? Sometimes I think I have a fantastic opinion. And I'm right almost all the time, except when I'm wrong. But my opinion really doesn't matter. If you ask me, you're, hey, Pastor Brad, what's your opinion on such and such? Well, it doesn't really matter. Like, I can have my thoughts, but is that going to, like, change your life? Is that going to change your situation? My advice is always going to be, well, I can tell you what I think, but what does God say about this? Because that's really the only thing that's going to cause change in your life. That's the only way that you're going to be able to resist the enemy in your life is through God's Word. That's why God's Word, and we stress this time and time again, is so important that we have a foundation in this Word. Because if we know what God's Word says about a situation, then the devil can't come and speak to us lies. He, you know, he may come in and say, you know, rah, 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 this, that, and we'll, we can be like, well, no, that's not the truth. That's not what God's Word says. God's Word says that by Christ's stripes, I'm what? I'm healed. Well, is God's Word truth or is the devil's Word truth? God is for you. The devil is against you. But you're the deciding vote. You're the one that chooses which direction this is going to go. So which way are we going to choose to go? You know, there's no veering off. It's very black and white. We're either going to side with God, we're going to side with His Word, or we're going to side with the enemy, and we're going to side with His Word. It's either faith or it's either doubt. There's no in-between. In we can try to ride that fence, but there is no fence there. You look down, and you're like, oh, like it's, it's not one foot in one and one foot in the other. It's either you're in faith or you're in doubt. It's one of those two. God is for you. The devil is against you. But you're the deciding vote. You're the one that determines the outcome of this. Now listen, you might be, you might be in a really tough battle right now. You might feel powerless in some situations in your life. 
But those are just feelings. Those aren't really truth. The truth is that you have God in your corner. You're not powerless. Let's look at a scripture here in Philippians 4.13. You probably all know this one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're well able to fight this battle. You're well able to win this battle. Because who's empowering you? I like what it says in the Amplified Classic. In Philippians 4.13 it says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Now get this. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now sometimes we just need to take a step back from a situation and look at things from a different angle. Because when something is right in front of our face, sometimes we just need to remove that for a moment. Look at things from a different angle and we can see that's not, it's not quite what it was. But even if it was what we thought it was, I have strength for all things in Christ who what? Empowers me. You are empowered. You're not powerless. You're not just some ship on the sea tossed to and fro whichever way the devil makes the wind blow. You are not powerless. You have power. Whose power do you have? God's. When the, in 2 Corinthians where it says uh, that we triumph, what does it say? We triumph. We always triumph through who? Christ. If I brought in an umbrella, probably good I didn't, and opened it inside, might freak some of you out. Uh-oh, bad luck if you open an umbrella inside. I don't believe in luck. But if I, if I had that umbrella, like this is where I'm protected from the rain, from the elements, right? As long as I'm under that umbrella, I stay dry. If I step out from that umbrella, I start getting wet, right? Step back under that umbrella, I'm dry again. When we're in Christ, think of it like that. When we're in Christ, we're in His empowerment. You know, when we talk about that arena of faith, when we stay in that arena, when we're in Christ, when we're in God's Word, you can't lose you could put a bet down. It is a sure thing. God is for you. If you're the deciding vote and you're siding with God, you can't lose. It's a sure bet. Are you getting that? You can't lose. You are empowered through Christ. You are ready for anything and equal to anything through Him. Through Christ. Through His Word. The Bible says that Jesus is the Word. When you're in Christ, you stay in this. What does this have to say? This is where you are empowered. What does God's Word have to say about any situation? Find out what God's Word. If you can't find a scripture, Pastor Brad, I'm dealing with this. Can you help me find a scripture that I can stand on so that I can speak that over my life Speak God's word, speak his truth, because the devil has been lying to me, and I need some help. Can you help me find some scripture? Text me, message me, call me anytime. I'll be happy to help, all right? Real quick, let's look at Mark chapter 5. It was a really wonderful testimony in scripture, you know, of the woman with the issue of blood. Her story is really uh, quite remarkable. 
In Mark chapter 5, in verse 25, we'll just read through this real quick, and I'll just make a, a, a few points as we go along. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus... She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, make note of that. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who, who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, I make note of this part, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So the two things that I want to point out in this, and there's a lot of wonderful things, but we don't have time to get into the, the whole story. Maybe we'll dissect this more uh, another time. Is in verse 28, it says, For she said, she said, If I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. In verse 34, it said, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. So there's two things linked here that we need to make note of is her faith and what it was that she was saying. What we say actually has great importance in our life. James says our, our, our tongue is like a rudder of a ship, that wherever, wherever our tongue directs, that's where our, that ship is going to go. And he's saying that's where our life is going. If we speak fear, if we speak doubt, if we speak unbelief, where do you think our life is going to go? Because Scripture says that our, our life is going to follow our tongue. The Bible also says uh, that blessing and cursing are in the tongue. If we want to be blessed, then we need to say things that are going to cause us to be blessed. If we don't, then we're going to have the opposite, right? So our, our, our faith and what we say are linked together. The Bible says that out of the abundance of a man's heart, he does what? He speaks. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we want faith, then, we'd got, then we have to feed ourselves what? God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the more we feed ourselves God's word, the greater our faith is going to be developed to the point that out of the abundance of our heart, what are we going to start speaking? We're going to start speaking faith-filled words. No longer fear-filled words. No longer doubt-filled words, but faith-filled words. And what did Jesus say to this woman with the issue of blood? She said, if I could just touch his garment, I will be healed. And she said that over and over to herself. And she did it. And Jesus said that she was healed because of her faith. Now the wild thing about this woman with the issue of blood is back then, if you were someone who was like that, if you were diseased, if you had you know, any symptoms, if you have any sickness, like you had to be put away. This woman risked her life. That's the kind of faith. It's not that, that, that she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of her garment, she risked her life. She could be stoned. 
she could be put to death. But she knew, she had faith that if I could just touch the hem of the garment, and she said that to herself. She was speaking faith. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I will be healed. And Jesus said, because of your faith, it wasn't Jesus' faith, it was the faith of this woman who risked her life to do what society told her not to do so that she could have an audience with Jesus. And Jesus, you know, like he, they were going through a crowd. He was, crowd. he was, you know, had people all around him. And when he said to his disciples, who touched me? Like, he knew someone touched him. I mean, he was being touched by a whole bunch of people, right? But he knew someone had touched him because something happened. The Bible says power went out of him. And he knew at that point, he's like, whoa, wait a minute. Something just happened. Like power went out of me. Like some kind of miracle just happened. And he's looking around, you know, and there's just people everywhere. And he's like, who touched me? It's an amazing story. But it's because of her faith in God. And she aligned her words with that faith. I'm going to try to close things up here. Um, Isaiah 55.10 says this about God's word. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing in which I send it. Like you can count on God's word. Does that mean that as soon as you speak something that it is going to instantaneously happen? It doesn't always happen that way. You know, the Bible says Jesus... Jesus told the disciples to go in the, all the world and preach the gospel. He said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Well, if someone stole my car and I phone the guards and I'm like, hey, my, my, my car was stolen, you know, and as soon as I hang up the phone, bink, my car is right there. I recovered it. Or is it going to be a process? Sometimes it is an instantaneous thing, but other times it's a process. And that's where the Apostle Paul says, fight the fight of faith. Like, are you in this to win it? If you really are, if, you, if God's word is true, like I said, like it's nice when you have a sure thing, right? You go to the track with the horses or the, or the dogs. If you have a sure thing, you know someone's going to win. It's a, it's a rigged uh, race. Like, put down as much money as you want. It's a sure thing, right? I'm not saying do that. But this is a sure thing. Like, you can go to the bank on this, God's word will accomplish what he sends it forth to do. And how is it going to be sent forth? It's going to be sent forth by your words, isn't it? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, I closed last week with this scripture. I'm going to close with it again this week. But we need to align our words with what God has to say. Your opinion doesn't matter. The doctor's opinion doesn't matter. Your financial advisor's opinion doesn't matter. Like none of those things matter. The only thing that matters is what God has to say. Because he's the only one that can cause us to triumph in this life. It's through him, through Christ, that we triumph, isn't it? So we need to find out in our lives what God's word says, and then feed on it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Wake up in the morning and read some scripture before you go to bed. Read some scripture. When you're on your lunch break, read some scripture. You know, I used to like to have my lunch in my car. Sometimes I'd have it in the employee break room. 
but a lot of times I'd like to have it in the car because I had time that was just my time with the Lord. So I'd be in my car just having lunch, and I'd be listening to God's Word or reading God's Word, listening to a message. A lot of times, you know, I'd take Aiden to school. On the way to school, sometimes we put his music on the radio, but on the way back home, like I'm listening to a message from some pastor that I follow or, or something like that. Like I'm, I'm constantly investing in myself because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If I stopped eating food, like what would happen to me? Well, you'd see Brad shriveling away in front of your eyes, right? Well, if I stop eating that very thing that gives me health, that gives me life, that gives me faith, well, what's going to happen to your faith? The same thing. It's just going to start shriveling away. And the things of this world, the cares of this world, the things of this life are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and magnified in your life. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, says, So Jesus answered them and said, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, and sometimes those mountains look pretty big too, don't they? Right? My father-in-law climbed Kilimanjaro. That's a pretty impressive thing. Right? Like he was telling me at one point, you get up there, and the oxygen is so thin, your mind just starts freaking out because you just not your body's not getting the oxygen that you need, you know. And one of the guides, you know, was just like does that to him. He knew he just needed to calm down, not freak out, and just move slower because he couldn't exert the same amount of energy because he didn't have the oxygen to be able to do it. Well, he was one of the the few people in his group that that made it uh, to the top. That's a big mountain. Right? It's pretty good size. Sometimes those mountains seem pretty big. But what does Jesus say? He says, Whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And in verse 24 he says, Therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. You know, God's will, the Bible, isn't just going to magically happen in your life. Like, that would be really great, wouldn't it be? You give your life to the Lord, and then it's just peaches and cream for the rest of your life. Nothing bad ever happens to you. You know, it's like the, the water just parts, and everything's just amazing and perfect, right? That would be grand. We'd all like that, wouldn't we? But it's not, but it, that's not reality, Right? Sometimes there are mountains. There's these massive things that are in our way that obstruct our path. Well, Jesus says, speak to those mountains. He begins all this by saying, have faith in God. And then he starts instructing us, speak to those mountains. No matter how big they are, no matter how impossible they are. Because remember, the enemy's defeated. And you're empowered with the one who created everything. That's who's in your corner. So you have this little fallen angel who rebelled, who wants to steal, kill, and cause destruction in your life. And then you have the God who created everything is who's in your corner. So when you speak what he says, what's going to happen? Well, Jesus said you're going to have what it is that you speak. But we're going to have to be willing to fight that faith fight. If you're in it to win it, and you will win it, I'm telling you, then fight. Fight, 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 fight. Don't give up. If you don't see the answer today, keep fighting. Keep speaking. Keep believing. 
Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to doubt. Don't give in to unbelief. Keep yourself in God's word and keep speaking it. Keep speaking it, keep speaking it, keep speaking it. When you wake up in the morning, what are you going to say? On your lunch break, what are you going to say? Before you go to bed, what are you going to say? Let it be God's word. I'm not saying that we need to be police and, hey, you said something is, that's doubt. You said something that's fear. We don't need to be like that. We don't need to be each other's policemen and guard. Like we're responsible for our own lives, right? You have to speak. You have to do the fighting. No one else can do that for you. It has to be you.